Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Hey, everybody. It is Jesse and Paige, <laughs> and we are just coming in hot talking about the book of Numbers now in our Time to Revive two-year Bible study that we're going through. The Bible study is called Revive School. We have all the information in our show notes for you if you are interested in it, and we are going to go through numbers today and strap in. That's how I feel. Go after Leviticus, yes. going about the law. Now it is more narrative. There's a lot going on, and just read it for yourself because me and Paige will do our best to <laughs> highlight Yes. And what it was. But this study does well to give an overarching themed word for each book to help you remember what's going on and to just foreshadow of Jesus the Messiah coming in numbers, which we would, Paige and I always talk about, we could never guess, is Brock. And so yeah. we'll just have you open up with why they chose that word for numbers. Yeah. So um, first, I'm going to hop forward to the New Testament in, in first. Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. And it says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passed through the sea, and they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food, and they all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. So then if we go back to Exodus um, 17, we're going to see the first time of this uh, manifestation of this this rock providing um, water to these people that have come out of Egypt into the wilderness on the way to promise with Moses. So, um, in verse 4 of Exodus 17, it says, Moses cried to the Lord, saying, What shall I do to this people a little more? And they're going to stone me. They were getting thirsty, and they were acting really naughty. If you've ever been like with a thirsty toddler <laughs> in meltdown mode, imagine that times like hundreds of thousands of people. Verse 5, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand your staff with which you strike the Nile and go. This is interesting. Verse 6, Behold, I will stand. This is the Lord speaking. I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he named the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarrel and the sons of Israel, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? because their expectations were not met for a moment. So again, I want to read you one more passage, and then I'm going to tie it in to Numbers. This is in Psalm 81, and um, I'm gonna. This whole, this whole psalm is written about these people, the Israelites, and their journey um, th throughout Egypt and then into the Promised Land. But when you get to verse 15, it says, "Those who hate the Lord would pretend obedience to Him, and their time of punishment will be forever." Verse 16. But I would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. And so he's talking about how he would he was um, 
he wanted to provide them with the essence of all that he was. And, and we know that in the New Testament as well, and in other major prophetic books in the Old Testament, that Christ is referred to as as the rock, as the chief cornerstone. Um, as as he when he speaks to Peter, he says, "Upon this this rock, his word toward Peter, I'm going to build my church." And we know that um, that there's the the parable given about building your house upon the solid rock. So we have this understanding that Jesus is the rock, and we see that first manifested in Exodus. But then when we get to Numbers. We see it take a central theme again, and though I can't teach on this in an expert way, to me it's one of, Jesse and I were just talking, it's one of the Mm -hmm. most mysterious passages Mm -hmm. in Scripture um, because we just don't really um, fully understand it. You get to... um, to, to 20, this is Numbers 20, verse 8, and again, it's a similar situation of water coming from the rock. It says, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, and assemble the congregation and speak to the rock. So he's not telling them to strike the rock this time, saying, speak to the rock before their eyes, that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water from them out of the rock, and let the congregation and their beasts drink." So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as he had commanded them. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock, and he said to them, Listen now, you rebels, shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? That's how he spoke. That is exactly just like what sounded just like me. Yes. Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, mm-hmm. and water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and the beast drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me and treat me as holy mm-hmm. in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given you. Yeah. Um, so really, we find out kind of a devastating— this isn't the end of, of, of Moses here, but we find out that Moses and Aaron are not going to go into the promised land because of this particular instance, which involves this uh, bringing forth of water from the rock. And there's all kinds of speculation around it. But I think what we can say with certainty is that the Lord told him to speak to the rock and that it would yield its water. And that at some point there was a heart change, whether that was that Moses was angry at the people, whether that was Moses wanted to take some of the glory for himself, some of the responsibility of bringing forth um, the water from the rock, or whether Moses in this particular instance simply did not yield to what the Word of God was in this moment, which was to speak to the rock, not to strike the rock. But for whatever reason, in Numbers, this is the main rock passage that that we see. And really, we remember, we look back in Exodus, that Jesus, the Lord stood at that rock so that that miracle could come forth. And then in this instance, there was, there was just something uh, that was different. And, um, and, and it really was going to keep Moses from going in. But regardless of... Numbers 20, thinking back to Exodus 17, even thinking back to Exodus 23, where the Lord um, tells Moses, I'm going to tell you my name and I'm going to show you my glory, but you've got to stand on this rock if you want to experience that. I'm going to hide you in the cleft and you're going to stand on this rock. Thinking of of Christ as the spiritual rock that just traveled with them in in all facets of their journey, that is... um, what was portrayed as the image of the Messiah in the book of Numbers. So just wanted to give that overview on that. And then, um, Jesse, we can hop into really the, the fullness of, 
of numbers that we enjoyed aside from from that, our takeaways. So who was your favorite character? Well, before I go into that too, yeah. though, um, in, in 2012, we were preparing for a mission trip to Nicaragua with my church in Denison, and our pastor had us memorize Psalm 91, and I just can't help but think of how Jesus is that rock, um, yeah. specifically um, in the passage of Exodus 33, but he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And you say to the Lord, he is your refuge yes. and your fortress. And to just think of that shadow um, being cast because of the rock of Jesus that we stand on, who is our fortress and our refuge, it just gives me um, a different picture uh, and and uh, more life to that passage to me as I think of him as our rock in our fortress. And knowing fortress. that Moses wrote that. Did you say that? Moses wrote oh, that psalm? Oh, no, I didn't say that. But yes, yeah. Moses yeah. wrote this. Yeah, one of the first psalm ever written. Oh, yeah. That's so good. That is so good. I love that. Um, but also, as as we were studying, as we've been studying, um, Paige and I just kept saying, it, it's just so life and death. It just may, It's life and death situations. And if we want to recall, it was a death situation for God's people. They were in slavery. And now you have a Pharaoh that wants to blot them out, literally take out their name and kill their sons and say, there's no mm-hmm. more generations for you. Mm-hmm. And, and God says, now I'm going to give you the option of life okay. and death, and I'm going to deliver you. And at his command, we see Moses and Aaron, Paige mentioned in Leviticus, they did exactly what God said for his law, for his temple, mm-hmm. uh, Bezalel, um, did exa- and his people that created this temple and did the artistry of the temple, it said they did exactly uh, what God commanded mm-hmm. in Numbers 9, 23, at the command of the Lord, they camped. And at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the Lord's charge according to the command of the Lord through Moses, which means now the Israelites are now at the, at the sake of the Lord's word now. And it really is, I've taken you out of the out of death. Now, do you choose life or do you choose death in this? And it is so vital that we follow God's command. Why? Because he gives us life in him. Yes. And and there's just that weight of his glory. Once again, being in his presence, do does it consume us because we so choose death, or or does he consume us and refine us and make us his? And shine where his face shines, which Paige already quoted this the last time too. What, what is that? Fourteen. I think it's six twenty-four. Number six twenty-four, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yes. So um, we have this benediction at the end of every church service. Our pastor prays this over us, but it's Aaron's uh, benediction, and it says, "The Lord bless you and keep you." Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Mm-hmm. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and I then will bless them. Um, actually, kind of personally, whenever we had the volunteer banquet in 2021, mm-hmm. which you can also listen to the word page gave on that, it's a previous podcast. Mm-hmm. 
called um, Merchant Ships, I believe, or something along those lines. Uh, I received a word of encouragement that night from about three women that told me it was my time to sparkle, <laughs> to shine. <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant, and that sound, sounded funny to me because I lack a lot of... Um, luster <laughs> in physical worlds of I don't wear rhinestones pink oh, okay. glitter glitzy I'm not I don't yeah there's nothing finessy or fancy to my approach of wardrobe and the way um I look physically and the Lord really spoke to me one through that blessing but also in the Psalm of David 34 Whenever David says, I will bless the Lord at all times, Mm -hmm. his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord, Mm -hmm. and the humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 5, they looked to him and were radiant. Their Mm -hmm. faces will never be ashamed. Mm-hmm. We'll never feel condemnation in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord make his face and also interchangeable with the word presence to shine upon yes. you and be gracious to you. But I can look towards the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any follow up on that? And if not, I will go straight into my favorite person in this book. <laughs> no, it's it's just beautiful. And it reminds me too of of Moses and how his face was yeah. uh, his face was radiant. And then in the New Testament, we're told that Stephen's face was radiant as he was being stoned to death yeah. and in persecution, but his face was was radiant um, as he was beholding Jesus standing next to the Father. And, and we know standing as that priest, putting that blessing upon him from the heavens to the earth, bringing the spiritual to the physical. So I love that uh, sparkly thought that you shared there. <laughs> yeah, and and that's what's funny too, talking about walking in the spirit and walking physically too. The first thing I thought was that I don't look that way naturally. Am I supposed to look that way? And just to no, no, I'm supposed to look to Him, and I shine. Matthew five, where cities on a hill. That's right. And our works will show people and draw people to where his name dwells, which is in us now we know, not yeah. just the temple like And that here. goes back to that Levitical yes. um law about keeping the altars burning, keeping the lamps mm-hmm. burning. Um it's the same the lamps are the lamps are many things, but the lamps are our eyes. The altars are our hearts and keeping that sparkle flame so that others might be drawn to him. Absolutely. Yep. Well, since you asked me about my favorite character, which I'm sorry we neglected in Leviticus, but uh, my favorite character in Numbers is actually Numbers 22, 23, and 24 is the story of Balaam. And I, it's so funny. Paige, I think, these stories stick out to me so much because I just didn't grow up with them mm-hmm. and and the richness of the stories. Uh, the first one I would say being Amalek and how he attacked Israel, mm-hmm. which you find in Exodus. He was the first attack on Israel as they just left um, and were delivered by the from the Egyptians yeah. by God. 
and and now this story, which is just so strange because this is the talking donkey story, and and everybody knows that. But I'm not going to get to that. If you don't, Numbers 22, 23, 24, um, go. Go read about Balaam. But Balaam was called by, I'll call him Balak. Uh, was he um, the leader of the Moabites? He was the leader of something. But he, he was a leader that was fearing Israel because we know Israel has the favor of God, is a holy nation, is set out to be a priesthood. And um, those who bless, the Lord blesses will be blessed. Mm-hmm. And we actually know that even... Abraham and Lot. Lot mm-hmm. was saved because Abraham was blessed and Lot mm-hmm. blessed Abraham. And so here you have Balaam who is hired by the leader Balak, who is trembling at this force to be reckoned with Israel. Yeah. And he knows he will be wiped out. So what does he do? He tries to counter the blessing and the favor mm-hmm. on Israel. And he calls Balaam, who is a medium of sorts, um, what would you call him? A wizard? <laughs> I think I said that once before. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a good... He, Yeah, he has a um, sort of fortune-telling reputation, yeah. but yeah. he is pulling um, not from the kingdom of light. He is pulling from the occult mm-hmm. um, until he has an encounter where Yahweh gets yes. in his way. Yes. And so Balaam is hired to curse Israel. And um, Balak tells Balaam to go, and Balaam actually says no. Balak persuades him, thus enters this donkey that says, this angel will kill you if you continue. And Balaam sees... uh, This sounds really weird. You just have to read it. What I'm getting to is Balaam goes (laughs) to curse Israel, and he encounters God three times as he goes to curse three different times. The first two times he goes to curse, God says, you can't curse what I bless. He goes back to Balak. Balak says, try this last time. And and there's a couple passages I just want to highlight. Um, one in 22, 18, Balaam replied to his servants before he even went, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not do anything neither small or great, contrary to the command of the Lord. Um, He says he can't be persuaded by any riches the world has to offer because he knows who he's up against. Um, And verse 8 of 23, how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? He, He understands this. And so Balak just... At all these failed attempts, seeks one last time for Balaam to go curse Israel at a different place he hasn't. Mm -hmm. And Balaam says, as long as you understand, I'm only going to tell you what God tells me. And so Balaam goes up, and he does something different this last time. And this is at the end of the story in chapter 24, verse 1. When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go like other times to seek omens, but he set his face towards the wilderness, towards the Israelites. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Mm. So he set his face towards God. He set his face towards the Lord's sights, towards Israel, and the Lord's presence fell upon him. Verse 3, 
took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is open, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down, Mm. yet having his eyes uncovered. And Mm. it goes in to this blessing that Balaam gives, that the Lord is for him like horns of the wild ox, that everyone is blessed who blesses them and cursed everyone who curses them. And in verse 13, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not do anything contrary to the command of the Lord, either good or bad of my own accord. Whatever the Lord speaks, that I will speak. And I think it's also just so powerful because before this, Israel um, is going through a lot of correction from rebellious spirits, um, God rebuking them, correcting them. Mm -hmm. And just really, I'm just kind of getting annoyed at this point of what Israel looks like in their inner workings. And then you have Balaam that's just interjected here. And he sets his sights on them, and God downloads his favor, his blessing upon them. And he doesn't say anything about their rebellious spirits. He doesn't say anything about their wickedness. He shows the favor. He shows Balaam the favor he has on him. And Balaam only sees that because the Lord's presence gives his eyes to see and his ears to hear. It's literally like he could see that that benediction of Aaron, that priestly blessing upon him that would be given out to them after those sin offerings were made for and that atonement was made, this this reality that they walked in that they didn't even realize God gave him a, a pagan eyes to see. Yeah. What a thought. Like he could see the blood that speaks a better word, like you said. Yeah. The blood shed. He, he could pass over their sin and just see the righteousness upon them. What a thought. That makes me think in Zechariah, there's a, a Bible verse that talks about how God will be a wall of fire around his people. Mm. And um, there's this man, his name, his first name is John. I can't think of his last name off the top of my head. But he, um, he was saved out of the occult, and he had very dark dealings and a very dark history with that. And he'd talk about... Um, how they would go to um, when he was serving the kingdom of darkness, that they would go to um, certain areas to wreak havoc. Um, mm-hmm. And it just if this weird you out, I'm saying this. I mean, the Bible is very clear. There's a kingdom of light. There's a kingdom of darkness. And we war against principalities um, and, and not against flesh and blood. So anyway, but I remember this example of there was this like worship service going on. I pictured it kind of like a block party outside somewhere. And it was just like so annoying and, and noisy and to... Um, to the kingdom of darkness, mm-hmm. but they could not even go near because there was fire surrounding the worship team. Like the worship team didn't have any idea, but visually that is what he could, and he was operating in darkness, but he could not, um, he could not curse them. He could not come against them because the presence of God was surrounding them. And I just remember watching, there were several testimonies that he gave in this video about how the powers of darkness were, were limited yeah. toward, um, towards certain people that were that were in Christ. Yeah. And so, Lord, just give us, I, and I know that's kind of being your heart cry and talking 
through this passage with you outside of today as well, like help us see that your nearness, the way that Balaam, a foreigner, a pagan could see your nearness. Like, may we walk in that, may we walk in that realization that we are blessed, that you are near, that we are favored by you Mm -hmm. and may it change everything. Yes. And, and even attacking conflict too, sometimes, It's hard. Uh, I feel very discerning personally, and so I can pick up on things that people are trapped in. And just to have those eyes to know first and foremost that's not who they are and to just be able to see the blessing and favor of God's kingdom of those um, who are chosen and saved and walk out that deliverance with the Lord to not get caught up in what my flesh feels, sees, knows, but to first and foremost say, you are his, Um, this is how he sees you, this is how I see you, so what in your flesh does not line up with that so that we can move forward? Yeah, yeah, that's so good. So good. I love that Jesse's been, and it's fun to read through with someone. We we encourage you guys to hop in and do this reading plan with someone because this was not something that really stood out to the Balaam, Balak (laughs) stuff. I'm like, okay, great. This is a fascinating story. (laughs) But I didn't meditate. The same thing wasn't quickened with me that was with Jesse, but I've been able to glean from it as I've sat with her in setting with that word. And we're both refined Mm -hmm. through that. Anything else you want to add on that, Jesse? Uh, not with that. Actually, this is a very random thing, so I'll let you take it after this. But um, going all the way back to Numbers chapter 6, you get the law of the Nazarites, which is just so yeah. mysterious to me, which just might be going down a rabbit hole. But in our commentary that we listened to that, that the gentleman Kyle leads us in talked about this Great, great mystery and kind of speculation of it, but it's a specific law of Nazarite, sort, sort of like a covenant within the Lord, almost like Aaron and the Levites have a certain way, and we learn in Numbers what different camps do and where people are and how they fit in um, the Bride of Christ in Israel mm-hmm. as a whole. But here you have the law of the Nazarites, and it's just so strange. What chapter page. is this in? It's chapter 6. Okay. So... Um, and whenever I say this, you might be thinking of things that uh, different characters in the Bible that um, sounds like this. But speak to the sons of Israel, say to them, when a man or woman makes a special vow, vow of a Nazarite to dedicate himself to the Lord. He said man or woman there, which is interesting. Verse 3, he shall abstain from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar, whether made from wine or strong drink, now, nor shall he drink grape juice eat fresh or dried grapes. All the days of his separation, he shall not eat anything that is produced by the grapevine from the seeds, even to the skin. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall pass over his head. He shall be holy until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself from the Lord. He shall let the locks of his hair grow long. He, um, All the days of his separation to the Lord, he shall not go near to a dead person. He shall not make himself unclean for his father or mother or his brother or sister when they die because his separation to God is on his head. And I'm going to stop there, but I, the only reason why I bring this up is one, it does Samson, um, 
comes up, but John the Baptist came up for me, and Kyle actually said that too, how he looked different, he dressed different, he abstained from wine, Mm -hmm. and whether or not it was a Nazarite vow, it was a vow to the Lord. Mm -hmm. He was the most holy (laughs) before Jesus come, he said, Mm -hmm. um, human in the entire world, like every generation, John the Baptist made the way for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there's just something about this extreme separation, separating yourself. Um, following the Lord, not idolizing anything before Him, um, doing the Sabbath, remembering the Sabbath and keeping mm-hmm. it holy and separating yourself from the rest of the world on the seventh day. And what does it look like? And then going further into this, this covenant that is so special. Mm-hmm. And um, Kyle mentioned in verse seven about not making yourself unclean with the dead and how Jesus told his disciples, was it two of them? Let one, let the dead bury the dead Mm -hmm. because his father died before he could become a disciple. And what does that mean? What is this not saying that you shouldn't respect your parents clearly, but what does it mean to not to go forth with the Lord, go deeper and Mm -hmm. though it looks so different what is he calling us into? And I bring this up because I've talked to Paige about this, that specifically Sabbath means a lot to me. I just feel the Lord refining that, like, mm-hmm. don't touch it. Yeah. Don't touch that day. Yeah, Almost to the point of don't go out to eat. Don't encourage people yeah. to work on Sabbath. Yeah, And um, withhold things from yourself that, so you can be closer to me. Mm-hmm. And there's just something mysterious about this passage and about us being set apart and consecrated to him that just made me scratch my head, wonder, and ask the Lord, how do I live for him? And how different does that look? Mm-hmm. Recently, I feel like it, we're recording in February right now, but between like December and right now and having three young kids, I feel like many viral colds have come in and out of our home and yeah. and with strict um, school measures. There have just been a lot of days that have had to be, that I've gotten to be home with my children. Everyone's fine, praise God. But it's like some of these days just afforded like periods of rest. Mm-hmm. And um, and then there have been snow days too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so one day my husband's like, man, that's awesome. That was just like 24 hours of rest. And I'm like, yeah, but literally our bodies are designed for that every single week to yeah. have 24 hours of sanctification mm-hmm. of like ceasing, mm-hmm. not 24 hours of sleep, mm-hmm. but 24 hours of ceasing from production from activity. And um, you know that something is off, and I'm speaking this in my own life, when you get that, like you get it right one time because either the weather forces you or sickness Mm -hmm. forces you to be at rest for 24 hours, and then you find yourself refreshed. And you're like, but I'm designed for this every single week, Mm -hmm. and I'm called to it. And it's that trust and faith in the Lord that on Let's just let's just use Chick Fil A for example. Let's do it. Chick Fil A. Kyle maybe even used. I don't know if he used them or not in talking about a Sabbath example. But like the anointed chicken place. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> their chicken is okay, but I love it because I believe God's anointings on it. Because I'm like, I did not even like Chick Fil A before I got married, and now I'm like. I'm a fangirl. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. close on Sunday, and I would venture to say. 
no harm is done to them. There's mm-hmm. there is always a line wrapped around Chick Fil A. At least in the area of the U.S. that we live in, mm-hmm. no matter what time of day you go to Chick Fil A, there's almost always a line wrapped around Chick Fil A. Mm-hmm. And I just see that blessing of God upon them as they honor the Sabbath day. And and again, we're under we're not under the the old covenant or in the new covenant. But there's wisdom and there's life to be gained. And and Jesus has much to say about the Sabbath when he's questioned in the New Testament about who is the Sabbath for, what is the Sabbath for. And so I think that there's wisdom in what what Jesse is saying about us considering the serious nature of the Sabbath. And I feel like even in this time of global. Um, global, I don't, I'm trying to think of what um, word, appropriate word that I want to use. I, I would call it um, global biochemical warfare mm-hmm. a bit with the sicknesses that perhaps have been manufactured that mm-hmm. in laboratories that have um, come into countries, it's COVID-19, et cetera. I think that as we take care of our bodies, that um, we are wise to observe Sabbath and to observe rest so that our bodies are strengthened. Um, and again, I think that's it's a good. matter of choosing life and death. So that's just side note, just yes, random thoughts. Yes, a big side note. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> what do you got, Paige? I, I think um, I'm shutting down for Okay, yeah, gone. I'll wrap up. I'll There's wrap so up much. here as, as well. Um, I just, Numbers 27, I would be remiss if I did not tell you that there is a woman in the Bible named Noah. You need to oh, know yes, this. She's yes. actually three different times in uh, her, her story, her narrative. There was a dad um, named Zelophehad, and he died in the wilderness as part of some sin. We don't know what exactly what that was. And he had no sons, but he had five daughters, and one of their names was Noah. Noah, and um, and they believed in the promise of God, and they wanted their portion in the promised land. And so they approached Moses, which would be a big deal considering how many people uh, were from the nation of Israel, to ask, how can we go about receiving this inheritance because we're not a son? And, and it's a beautiful story, and you see mm-hmm. God's provision come um up for them here, and then in Deuteronomy, and then again, the fulfillment of their allotment in the book of Joshua. But um, anyway, it's just amazing to see God's wisdom on display for um, this situation. It's the reminder, this wasn't spelled out in the Levitical law. How was this going to happen? But these women went to um, Moses, and he interceded on their behalf with the Lord, and a righteous judgment was made that they would be able to, to receive their inheritance. So I think we could be encouraged from that, that when we face situations that are not black and white, as we go to um, Jesus, our intercessor in prayer, that there's going to be a perfect wisdom for it. So she, uh, Noah, Zelophead's daughter, has a really cool story. You can find out about her in Numbers 27. And then Jesse, I know where I want to personally end is um, with uh, Numbers 32. Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh settle in Gilead. And um, this, man, this kid, you do a whole hour of teaching really on this, but long story short, they're, they're approaching, um, they're approaching their journey in uh, transitioning from, from wilderness to, mm-hmm. to promised land. And some of the tribes decide that they are okay with settling in land that is, um, 
on the other side of the Jordan River than the the promised land is. And and the Lord allows it. Now they decide this, you can read this narrative in, in Numbers 32, for it looks it looks good to their eyes. It works for what they need and they're ready to settle down. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord allows this and his condition is like, sure, you can do this, his condition be a Moses, you can do this, but you um you're gonna have to go in and still fight with all the other tribes and then you can't come back and truly settle until after that. So it really causes a further delay in their settling, and and it's really not what God's best for them was. It's sort of, Jesse and I were discussing this um, off air, but it's sort of a, a Abraham Lot situation of mm-hmm. doing an evaluation of what land looks best, what of operating in your own understanding. Mm-hmm. But what I just want to, to share from my own life is that— um, the Lord used this passage with me in 2017, where I was really struggling with internally with the work of the Holy Spirit and what that meant for in my life as a believer today. Because I would read the Word, and I would see all these things in the Old Testament and New Testament, both, mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit did that were just powerful displays. And then I could not reconcile that I hadn't seen some of those in my life or within the walls of places that I fellowship, nor had I even been taught on them, but I couldn't dispute that they were in the Word. Mm-hmm. And so this was a tension that had gone on many years. Mm-hmm. And um, and then finally, I told the Lord, I'm like, I would just surrender to the fact that perhaps there is more. And if you would just fill me with, that, with whatever measure of your Holy Spirit that you want to fill me with, I... And willing to receive it at yeah. the risk of being wrong. Yeah. Um, like baptize me with mm-hmm. your Holy Spirit. I know I have the Holy Spirit in me. I know the voice of conviction of the Holy Spirit. But if you want me to experience more of the Holy Spirit, Lord, then that is on you. I make myself a willing vessel and I surrender to all that you want to pour out. And um, and so that was around like December 23rd, 2017, somewhere in there, that I would have actually prayed that prayer and that the Lord was so faithful to to begin pouring out the Holy Spirit in my life in new ways. Yeah. But I read, I was in my Word in the same era at this time, and I read about these tribes that chose to settle near the Jordan but not cross it in. And it reminded me of in my life this this Holy Spirit experience where I was okay with being on the edge, mm-hmm. on the edge of the waters, and like the Lord was even going to allow it. Like I, I'd... Um, for me to just kind of stay where where I was with what I had known as my level of familiar, my level of predictable, my level of upbringing, the Lord would have allowed that, just like with these tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of, of Manasseh. But there was more if I was willing to cross over mm-hmm. the Jordan. And for me, in November or December 2017, I made that decision that I want— I want to cross over to I want to go through the waters that I can't understand. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and I want the fullness of whatever there is that's out there available for me. I don't mm-hmm. get it, I don't understand it. I've never seen it, but it looks like it's there. And so instead of continuing to settle here, I'm going to go forward. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to offer that encouragement today wherever you are, don't settle. Don't settle. Yes, the Lord is he is so patient and he's so long suffering mm-hmm. and he's going to meet you wherever you are 
But every day that you're alive on this earth, there's always going to be more. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be more promise. There's always going to be more inheritance. There's always going to be more filling of the Holy Spirit to be poured out in your life. So don't settle short because of what you haven't seen yet and because of what just looks good to you in your own understanding. Yes. And don't settle with just being delivered. Paige and I just talked about that, but it's just been so strong on my heart. Yes, the Lord delivered me. He saved me from sin and death. He delivered the Israelites in this instance. But that deliverance and the remembrance of what God did for them is what allows them to have enough faith to obey. And so like Paige says, you have to choose to obey. In verse 12 of 32, Caleb and Joshua, they have followed the Lord fully, so they will be able to go and continue into the promises of God because because they remembered what the Lord did, they will obey and continue to step into God's promises. So remember, being delivered from your sins and walking into promise are two different things. It's not over whenever you're saved. It's not over whenever you speak the blood of Jesus over your life. It's the beginning of a new life. And you yeah. have, and you, and it's life and death. You now can choose to walk out and promise with the Lord and believe that his promises will come, that with him, even the enemies in front of you that are stronger and mightier than you will be destroyed because with God, all things are possible. Mm -hmm. And that when you take your land, when you take the promises, that you have the right to own it, inhabit it, and stay there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, are we ready to wrap up numbers? I guess you really need to, Mm -hmm. you really need to, um, Read this, is it 27 about Aaron's, no, 17, Aaron's rod buds, and I'm not going to get into it. It's just beautiful. If that sounds strange to you or unfamiliar, just go read the favor the Lord has. I am actually, when we do the testimony podcast, I'm going to hop in to talk about that. Oh, good. So listen to Paige's testimony podcast. Awesome. All right. Pray us out, Jesse. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that despite what we see with our eyes, the opposition that comes and the persecution that comes, that you say, if we just have eyes to see what you see and ears to hear what you see, our face will be radiant, whether we are Stephen being persecuted unto death, whether we are Moses, whose face so shines and leads a people to the brink of promised land and hands it off to the to the successor that will indeed be able to bring people into promise. Father, I just pray that we set our eyes towards you like Balaam, mm-hmm. that your face and your presence shine upon us and that we are so lit. <laughs> lit that's just funny sparkly we're we sparkle and we shine we're not hidden we are on a hill and our oil will not go out father may that be enough for us may we trust and obey you and not stop at the edge of the jordan we love you in your name we pray amen amen Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 